podcast. Uh, first, we're going to dive into a little bit of news. Um, out of Manhattan, Kansas, Chris Kleiman, head coach for Kansas State Wildcats, is removing his name from consideration for the Michigan State job. Great news for the Wildcats and their fans, as Kleiman's doing an excellent job. Uh, won the conference last year. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. They remember TCU, but uh, the Wildcats did beat TCU in the Big 12 title game and won the conference title. Prior to Kansas State, he was responsible for continuing the dynasty at North Dakota State. Did a great job there. There was no fall-off whatsoever. So, fantastic football coach, and he's going to remain put for the time being. Uh, next piece of news was Michael Trigg, tied in for the Mississippi Rebels, has left the team. And I do think this is meaningful. I do think that this hurts uh, Mississippi uh, from a power rating standpoint. Trigg was more of the uh, move tight end for the Rebels at 6'3", 240, good receiver. Whereas Caden Priestcorn, the Miss Memphis transfer, uh, was more of the inline Y guy at 6'5", 255, 260. But that, I thought, had the makings of a really nice duo. Preseason, I had uh, the Ole Miss tight end room ranked 6th in the country. Um, but, you know, most teams don't have a lot of depth at tight end unless it's a team that's routinely trotting out 12 and 13 personnel. You see a pretty big drop-off once a team loses its first or second string tight end. And I do think that might be the case here with Ole Miss. Uh, one of my fans, uh, not fans, one of my friends uh, was joking with me the other day and was like, Kim, when you say... Uh, you had Ole Miss's tight end group ranked sixth in the nation. Are you just making that shit up? <laughs> and no, I actually don't. Uh, I am a nerd about this stuff. Uh, I do follow college football year-round, which allows me the opportunity to <clears throat> get some surface viewing of all 133 teams. So I try to do my best at just kind of like keeping a pulse on each team. I, I, make, I have my little Excel sheets where um, I rank all the, basically, the units for each team, like quarterback, running back, receivers, tight end, O-line, etc. And looking at my sheet here, I had, to no surprise, Georgia at the top with Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp, Lawson Lucky, Pierce Sperlin. I mean, all four of those guys are blue chippers. So they go literally four deep with blue chippers. Then I had Ohio State. With uh, Cade Stover, Jelani Thurman, and Joe Royer second. And followed by Iowa, Oregon, Florida State before we got to Ole Miss. Rounding out the top ten with Texas A&M, Stanford, Utah, and Penn State. But, you know, losing Trigg is going to knock Ole Miss down on this pecking order. And it's going to have a corresponding decrease in their power ranking of the tight end unit and their offense and their team as a whole. So I do think that this is a meaningful loss for Ole Miss. Finally, we get a piece of news that's a feel-good story. Uh, Travis Hunter and the Colorado State DB who injured him, Henry Blackburn, 
with a cheap shot that lacerated Hunter's liver and caused him to miss two or three games. Either they are going to or already have gone bowling together, and they're going to show footage of it on Travis Hunter's YouTube channel and raise some money for charity with it. But um, I thought this was really cool. Personally, it was a dirty hit. I mean, I don't view it any differently than anyone else. It was a dirty hit. It was late. It's the kind of hit that there's really no place for it in football. And in fact, you should see these being the guys that are ejected from games, not the the accidental targeting situations where you know the offensive player makes a move at the last moment when the defender is running as fast as he or she possibly can and then it causes them to hit the offensive player in a dangerous at a dangerous angle and those guys get ejected. Of course, Henry Blackburn did not get ejected for this hit, which just shows you more um, how preposterous the targeting rule and the unsportsmanlike conduct rules are. Nonetheless, I do think that the hit was a little bit overblown. Um, I've you know I've definitely seen cheaper shots. It, it was late and it was dirty, but um, I do think that the fact that it was against Travis Hunter led to a lot of backlash, um, more so than there would have been had it just been a run-of-the-mill player that was not um, a well-known household name. So, cool to see that Travis Hunter basically forgives the guy. Cool to see that Blackburn is going to basically apologize, hang out with Hunter, and um, make good on on the situation. So I, I, I kind of like that. That's a feel-good story. I really would like to see Hunter get back into action as soon as possible because he's a very fun player to watch. And Colorado, let's be honest, they need him. I mean, both ends. They need him on offense. They need him on defense. They have a thin roster, so they really need the guys that can pop to be out there to, um, to really compete against top-level competition. Now let's turn our attention to the Thursday night action. We've already touched on Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. We do like the under 60.5 on that one. Uh, great rivalry. I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but the, the series is 35 wins for Middle Tennessee, 36 wins for Western Kentucky with one tie. And Western Kentucky has four straight from 19 to 22. They have not missed a meeting since 13. So they've played every year since 2014. Um, Four of the last five would be under our total of 60 and a half. So they do tend to get in little lower scoring uh, duels lately at least. So we'll hope that 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 pick can come through. But let's look at the other games. Uh, we've got Temple at Tulsa. We've got Jacksonville State at Sam Houston State. Let us begin with Temple at Tulsa, an American Conference opener for both teams. These teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, even with the results so far in this season, each has a, an easy win over an FCS opponent, a tight win over a MAC opponent, as Temple beat Akron and Tulsa beat Northern Illinois, and each team has lost big to both Power 5 opponents they faced, Temple going down to Rutgers and Miami, Florida, Tulsa going down to Washington and Oklahoma. 
Temple's quarterback is E.J. Warner, who is son of the NFL Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. He's had a rough start to the season, uh, really only performing well against Norfolk State, struggling in the other three contests. And Temple cannot run the football. They, they have had no success running the ball. One guy to pay attention to on the defensive side of the ball for Temple is their safety, Taiwan Francis. He is a transfer from Colorado State. And through four games, Mr. Francis has one interception, 32 tackles, so eight a game, two and a half TFLs, and two pass breakups. So kind of been a very active player on that side of the ball for the Owls. Now, when we look at Tulsa, their starting quarterback, Braylon Braxton, has been out since uh, early in game one of the season. They have mostly been rolling with Cardell Williams, uh, a little bit of Roman Fuller in there, but Cardell Williams, the freshman, and he has been turning it over at a high rate, uh, already with five interceptions, but he does throw the ball downfield at 9.2 yards per attempt, so he does like to to gamble a little bit as a quarterback, which is exciting um, and frustrating at the same time. Uh, Tulsa did get torched against both Washington and Oklahoma through the air. Um, They gave up 454 yards through the air to Washington, 476 yards through the air to Oklahoma. In yards per play in each of those games, their defense yielded 9.1 and 9.4. So obviously not as much skill talent here facing Temple, but they have had a propensity to gamble a little bit and to get beat down the field for big chunk plays. Overall, and just total team talent, these teams are very, very close. Um, I I do think Temple has a little bit of an edge in overall talent. Uh, They are a little bit more banged up than Tulsa at the moment, so that could come into play as well. Um, My gut says Temple might be able to get this game. I just like E.J. Warner and Stan Drayton a little bit more than Cardell Williams and Kevin Wilson, the, the um, first-year coach for Tulsa. He's not a first-year head coach, period, as he did coach for Indiana back in, uh, I want to say, 2016. But uh, I do think this is going to be a very tight game, and it really will just come down to a few plays. The other game tonight will be Jacksonville State at Sam Houston, and these are the two FBS newcomers to the table. So Jacksonville State is 3-1, and one, kind of surprisingly, but the schedule has been very soft. They opened the year up winning against UTEP, which is a conference game, so they were 1-0 and in the conference there. Then they played East Tennessee State, FCS opponent that they just smacked 49-3. They did lose at Coastal 16-30, and then surprisingly shut out Eastern Michigan 21 to nothing last week. So they're three and one. Rich Rod has the, the Gamecocks rolling a little bit. The defense only giving up 11.8 points per game. Again, pretty shoddy offenses being faced. Um, Grayson McCall is in Coastal Carolina, the one exception, but I do think they're quite a, a bit less potent um, under Tim Beck now than they were under Jamie Chadwell, who has moved on to Liberty. If you think back to some of Rich Rod's other teams, like a West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona, he tended to do best when he had both a good running quarterback 
you know, like a, a Patrick White or a Denard Robinson and then like a good running back to pair him with, like a Steve Slayton or a Kadeem Carey. Um, and so what he's got here at Jacksonville State, uh, Malik Jackson is that running back, the main running back. He's had over 73 yards in all four games. And then Logan Smothers will be running uh, the show from the quarterback spot. But more than anything to this point in the season, what has led to Jacksonville State's success is their turnover ratio. They are a plus nine, which is totally ridiculous through just four games, plus nine. So they're per game plus 2.25 turnovers. That's going to win you a lot of games. Unless you're playing against far superior competition, you're usually going to win. Uh, they already have seven interceptions on the book. So Sam Houston better be careful when they throw the ball into the Jacksonville State secondary. Looking now at the Sam Houston side of the equation, man, this offense has been so bad. I, I mean, I did project it to be bad. I had them as the worst offensive line in FBS, 133 out of 133. Quarterbacks, 131. Running backs, 131. Wide receivers, 119. Tight ends, 118. So, yes, this was likely projected my worst FBS offense, and it is totally coming through to fruition through the first four games as Sam Houston Bearcats, listen for this, take a deep breath. They are averaging 3.3 points per game, 10 points through their first three games. I did say four games initially, but that was Jacksonville State who's played four. Sam Houston's only played three, but Surprisingly, the results, in my opinion, aren't that bad. I mean, at Brigham Young, you lose 0-14. to Your defense holds BYU on the road to 14 points. You'd think you could probably win that game, but big zero put up by the offense. Another result, similarly, they played Air Force, only lost 13-3. BYU and Air Force are teams that should throttle FBS newcomers, so you got to be encouraged by the defense on both of those results. Then they played at Houston, and Houston was smarting from a loss to Rice. They lost that one pretty bad, 38-7. to But the issue here is clearly not the defense. The issue is the offense. They need to find a way to get some points. Um, but I just don't know where it's coming from. They have very little explosivity in this offense. If I get to get eyes on this game, I will likely focus on the matchup between Sam Houston's linebackers like Trevor Williams, who has 38 tackles through three games, Sincere Jackson, Markel Perry, Kavian Gaither, Jalen Phillips, Isia Nixon. I want to see those guys match up against Rich Rod's running game and see who can win that battle. That's all I've got for today. Come back tomorrow for more on the Pigskin Ken Football Podcast. Peace out. Oh, 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 and the Packers don't suck. Don't get mad at me about a silly comment. I only said that because you messed around for three quarters and then won the fourth 18-0. You know I'm not mad at you, and I don't hate the Packers.